Um, yeah, we're going to talk about missions today. And I'm just going to jump straight into the first point. Um, no introduction. Um, you're told not to do this in preaching class, but we're all, we're all committed launch people here, so you don't need stories. Um, one second. Someone messaged me. It feels important. Oh, no, it's not important. Thanks, Sung, for distracting me. Okay, the first point for today is um, I want to talk about heaven. And if heaven is exciting, uh, missions will be exciting. Right? That's my point. If heaven is exciting, uh, missions will be exciting. And so let me read this passage from Revelation chapter 7. Uh, you've, read, you've heard this before. Um, we've talked about this through the church plan, but uh, this is the image of, of heaven that John has in the vision that he gets from God. And so he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our Lord, uh, to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And as I kind of read this passage that is painting a picture for us of heaven, uh, the question is, you know, what do you feel? Do you, do you feel excited? Um, is this a place that you long to be? Uh, you can't wait to get there, to be with God and to be with his people. Or does that picture sound a little foreign to you? Uh, it's describing a place that you don't think much of, a place that you don't really, if you're honest, look forward to going to. Right? Is heaven just a, well, if, if I had to go anywhere but here, I'd go there, but I'd rather be here. Right? What do you feel when you think about heaven? This picture that John paints for us is the end goal of our lives. Right? It's the final destination, the place we want to get to, where we're fully in the presence of God and fully in the presence of the believers in heaven worshipping him. This is our end destination. And when you think about it, this is the end goal of missions. Right? Missions exist so that we can... Uh, get people on the train so that they will end up at the destination, which is heaven. Right? They will join us not only now, but in, for eternity in heaven, where we will worship God together alongside one another. And it wouldn't be a sermon without uh, quoting John Piper. And so here's the, the quote from Piper. Um, Missions exist because worship doesn't. And he's saying that basically the end goal of missions is so that we can worship God right now and for eternity. Right? Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not man. And when this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. Right? And so the goal of missions, the end, is really that people will come to Christ, be saved from their sins, but then spend an eternity with us in heaven. And so the question is, does that destination, that end goal, excite you? Right? Is that where you want to go? Right, so we go on missions, not for the sake of missions, but so that we might gather and grow and glorify God together now and for eternity. And that connection between missions and heaven is vital right, to the degree that the more passionate we are for the end goal, the destination, will determine our passion for missions now. Right? If heaven is exciting, missions will be today. Right? Does that make sense? You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that one of the most passionate people for Jesus in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, was one of the um, most passionate for you know, spending time with him for eternity and also one of the most effective uh, on the missional front on earth. Right? He, he was passionate to go be with Jesus, but also passionate to you know, do the ministry on earth. And you, you see this in Philippians chapter 1. Right? This whole um, kind of the, these verses... Uh, reveal his, his tension in his heart of longing to go to heaven and his 
his longing to be with Jesus there, but at the same time, his, his desire to be effective in ministry on earth. Right? He says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so he's saying, you know, to die is better, he says. And the reason why is verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Right? So while I'm on earth, I'm on mission, I'm doing ministry, and I'm going to bear much fruit. Uh, yet which I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. Right? So he's saying my, my bigger longing, my greater passion is to be with Jesus in heaven. Right? But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Right? Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in faith. So that in me, you may have ample cause to glory, to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Right, so Paul in these verses is, is like wrestling with you know, his desire to go to heaven, but his desire to be effective on earth. And I think those two things are connected. Right? It's not by chance or coincidence that he's so passionate for heaven and at the same time passionate for ministry and to try to get people to go to heaven as well. Uh, Billy Graham, he said, if you read history, uh, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought the most of the next. Right? It is only since Christians have largely ceased to think of the next world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Aim at heaven, said Lewis, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Right? And so if we are passionate for heaven to be with Jesus forever, uh, by nature, we would be passionate to bring people on board to spend eternity with us there. And so the question is, does heaven excite us? Does the thought of being with Jesus for eternity, uh, worshipping him, excite us? Uh, does our longing to be there rather than here, um, like, you know, are we more longing to be there rather than here? Right? Can we say with the Apostle Paul, to, to live is Christ, but to die is gain? Has all the difficulty and trials that you've gone through in this life made you long for the next more and more, right? If heaven doesn't excite you, it probably means one of two things. And regardless of which one it is, it's a problem, right? One is that you're not a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, it makes sense that you don't long to go to heaven because, you know, you don't believe in God and heaven, but that's a problem because heaven is real and God is real and hell is real. And so you need to, you know, repent of your sins because judgment is going to come. And the invitation for those who are not believers is to repent, to turn to Jesus, trust in him and follow him. And the promise is you'll spend eternity with him in heaven. The second uh, conclusion then is that you are a Christian. But that's a problem as well because Christians should be excited about heaven and being with Jesus. Right? It's our eternal place of dwelling. It's our home. Um, and the truth is though, you know, and I don't want anyone to feel bad, but the truth is that you know, heaven is usually very far from our minds. Uh, often it's a vague kind of ethereal place, you know, that, you know, we might get to one day, but it doesn't impact our day to day. Um, but if you are a Christian who's not thinking of eternity and thinking of the kingdom to come, well, we need to repent, right? And along with the non-believer, we need to repent and realign our hearts to eternity and to fight for an eternal mindset. And unless heaven and Jesus excites us, your natural emissions won't. I will be caught up in the life here. And when you think about it, when we're excited about heaven, it makes evangelism happen. Right? Well, all of us, we're 
kind of natural evangelists and we evangelize with things that we're excited about. And when you think about salespeople, um, you know, when they're excited about something, you know, they, they sell it. Uh, if you know anyone, uh, even for yourself, when you're excited about something, uh, you, you will kind of begin to sell it. You'll, you'll t talk to people about it. And we can't help evangelizing or telling people about, you know, a great restaurant we've been to or a popular movie, your favorite band. Uh, even if you're an introvert like me, you, you want to tell people about things you're excited about. It's just a natural thing. You know, when you're excited, evangelism tends to happen naturally. And it doesn't matter where the conversation starts. When you're really excited about something, you'll, you'll lead the conversation to the thing you want to talk about. Now, I went over to uh, John's house a few weeks ago to kind of just very quickly, it was meant to be a very quick, you know, I'm, I'm going to pick up something and drop something off, take three minutes. But somehow uh, I ended up in John's house, um, sitting down, uh, talking about politics. Right? And, and if you know me, I have no interest in politics. Um, and how did the conversation get there? Um, John, I don't know if you know, is, is kind of really excited about politics. And so the conversation became about about politics and he just was talking to me about you know things that i've never heard about you know i have no idea even like you know who the prime minister is at any given time but you know, he was so excited that we ended up talking about it i don't know it was like 30 minutes of politics but here's the thing the second point that i want to make you know when you're excited not only does evangelism happen but it makes evangelism better right and as john was talking about politics which i have no care or clue about you know, he was so excited about it that I began to like, you know, kind of be excited about it too. I was like, really? Well, is that what labor means? And, you know, he was, like kind of that excitement rubbed off. And when you think about the best salespeople, they're the people who really believe in the product that they're selling, right? They're not just reading a script on TV, but when someone is genuinely passionate about what they're selling, it makes that evangelism better. And not that we're salespeople trying to sell a product, but in a way, uh, we're trying to convince people to buy into something, uh, to, to give up their lives to follow Jesus. And so when we're passionate and excited about it, people can tell, right? And they're bought into it as well. You know, when we really believe about heaven, believe about Jesus, believe about the consequences of, of hell and sin, uh, believe about all the, the good and the joy that we gain from being with Jesus, I think people can tell. Right? And so when we're excited about heaven and the things to come, it makes mission happen and it makes missions better. Now, one litmus test to see if we're passionate and excited for the kingdom to come for heaven is to look at our attitude toward Sunday gatherings. Because Sunday gatherings are the closest thing to heaven we have on earth. Right? When we look at Revelation 7, the passage we read, and I won't read it, um, Sunday is the closest imitation of uh, what we'll do for eternity. You know, we gather the multitude, right, in the local church setting. And it's a diverse uh, gathering of from, you know, different nations, hopefully. Um, and they, we stand before the throne, before the Lamb. We're clothed in white robes um, because of the righteousness of Christ. And we sing out with a loud voice as well. And we sing gospel songs. And there we serve Him uh, and we shelter in His presence. And I think our passion for Jesus and eternity is reflected in our passion and excitement for heaven. And so if you're excited for, for heaven, um, you'll be excited for missions. And a litmus test for your excitement for heaven is shown in your excitement for Sundays. And then how do we know we're excited for Sundays? Well, one way we can see is whether we rock up on time, right? I, th I think we, we can kind of tell if we're excited for Sundays 
if we're there on time. And, you know, I'm, I'm beating like a dead horse, is that the phrase? You know, I, I keep talking about this, but, but it's important. Um, doesn't matter what it is, but when we're um, excited for something, we'll line up for it. Right, we want the best seats. We're going to get there early. Uh, we're going to, you're going to factor in extra time because traffic might happen, happen and we will, we will make sure we're not late. I remember when I was first a Christian, I was so excited for Sundays. Like, I would make sure I'm there early. I'm not there on time. I'm there early. I don't want to miss, like, the, any uh, song, right? I don't want to miss, you know, the first five minutes of the service. No way. I want to make sure I'm there. I want to be there sitting while the praise team is practicing. I want to make sure that I'm talking to people because they're, they're my faith family. I'd waited all week, right, for the Sunday. And so I'd be there on time. And it's not a sin uh, if you don't feel that way all the time. It's not a sin if you don't feel that way today. Um, but if we're dragging our feet to get to church every week, uh, then, you know, it might say something about your faith, your passion for Christ, or your place in the church, um, maybe your attitude toward heaven, right? It says something. And so the first point is, if heaven is exciting, missions will be. And so does heaven and Jesus excite me. Right? And a great litmus test for that is our Sundays. That's the first point. If heaven is exciting, missions will be exciting. And the second point, and this is the last point, is the opposite. Right? If missions is exciting, heaven will be. And I think they kind of cycle and they feed into one another. But the point on this is the flip side. If we live our lives for the sake of the mission, trying to evangelize, trying to you know, reach out to people in our conversations, whether we do it near or far, then our passion and excitement for heaven will naturally also increase. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to a party where you didn't know anyone? It's a birthday party. You know the host or the birthday person. So you're like, okay, I'll go for you. But you don't know anyone there. Right? Something like that. Have you ever been to a party like that? How did you feel? Were you excited to go? Did you have a good time? Uh, probably not. Now, I once went to a wedding uh, for one of uni's friends, um, and I didn't know anyone. I was an absolute stranger to everyone, uh, which is fine because uni was there and it was uni's friend. But the problem was uni was a bridesmaid. And so even though she was there, she was always off with the bridal party, you know, taking photos at the front, uh, at the dinner reception, she was at the other table, you know, and I was sitting on a table with strangers and like, that's an introvert's nightmare. You know, like, it was like, the word, I still remember, I'm like traumatized by it. Um, I spent that whole dinner sitting next to a guy, um, talking about a band he was a part of. And I still remember the band name. It was called Juxtapose. Um, actually, it was kind of interesting, though. Um, it was a Christian band. Um, I was working at Kurong. They sold the CD at Kurong. I was like, oh. And we spent the whole dinner, like, I was trying to make conversation with this guy. Um, but, you know, going to a party where you don't know anyone, it's not fun. It's not exciting at all. And it kind of makes you not want to go to the party at all. But everything changes when you know the people that are going to be there. And the more people you know that will be at the party, the more exciting the party will be. And so one of the first questions we ask when you know, there's going to be an event is, who is going to be there? And so the question is, well, who is going to be at the heavenly party? Uh, do you know many people there? The image we have of heaven uh, when uh, we get there is that there's going to be a great multitude that no one could number. And this is going to be a huge party for all the introverts. You're stepping into like a, a great stadium of people. And will you look around and you know, not know anyone? Will you feel like 
you're a stranger in amongst all these people? Or will there be people there uh, that you have personally known, whether through the church community, but especially because you've invited them there, because you've played a role in their lives to bring them to that party. Right? Obviously in heaven, God's going to be there. He's the first and most important person. And you know, we'll be filled with joy to be with him. Um, but also there will be that multitude. And God has chosen us as his instruments for the salvation of their souls. As we proclaim God's word, as we do good works, right? hopefully we are being used to bring them there. And the more people we have, I guess, invested into to be there, the more excited we will be to get there. Right? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, um, that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. He says that our hearts will follow our investments. And I've talked about this, but it's fascinating that he doesn't say uh, where your heart is, your treasure will be. Because often we think that if our heart, if we care about something, we will invest our time and money and energy into, and that's what happens. But Jesus says the opposite. He says, where your treasure is, where you've invested into, that's where your heart will be. And so if you invest into heaven, if you invest into heaven, whether through your prayers or your life, but also if you're investing into the souls that are going to go into heaven, well, then naturally your heart will follow with where you're investing into. Your heart will be there because you've poured out so much of your life into the things of eternity. And so the challenge for us is to spend our lives being missional, right? Investing into there and not just here and especially into the souls that will go there. And if we do, naturally, we will be excited about going to heaven. Right, what if through our time on earth, we had played a part getting people onto that train so that they will end up to the destination, which is heaven? Right, what if through our decades on earth, uh, we personally invested into the people that will make up that great multitude? Right, that would increase our excitement and anticipation for heaven. I'm just imagining a person that's spending their whole life consciously and courageously making use of every conversation and every relationship to nudge people toward Jesus. When they go to work, they got a work conference, when they meet up with friends or just the people that they happen to meet um, through you know, happenstance, right? that they're just purposely trying to be light and salt. I think that person's passion for heaven would increase. Right? That's just the way it would happen. Now, our life is going to be influential to so many people. You know, people put a different number to that. One article I read this week said, we will touch 80,000 lives. That's if we speak to two to three people a day and you live an average lifespan of 80 years and you kind of add that up, that's 80,000 lives. And the maths doesn't really work unless you're talking to two to three kind of new people every day. Um, it doesn't add up to 80,000. But, you know, generally speaking, you know, may, maybe. Um, especially for the extroverts around us, 80,000. And when you think about 80,000, uh, that's a lot of people. Sydney Olympic Park um, has ANZ Stadium, and that holds a full capacity of 110,000 people. And so 80,000 is about three quarters of that whole stadium. And so if you're going to speak into 80,000 lives through your lifetime, just imagine you're standing in the center of that stadium, and that stadium is quite full, right? Three quarters of full capacity. And all those people that are filling the stadium are people that you have spoken into throughout your lifetime. And the question is, you know, what kind of influence are we making on their lives? 
And how much of that stadium have we encouraged to get on the train and join us for eternity in heaven? You know, I don't by any means think I do well in this area. This is probably one of my kind of weakest points. Um, you know, passages like this and messages like this really challenge me and make me think, you know, am I excited for heaven? Do I really want to go there? But do the realities of, of, of hell and judgment, you know, change the way I talk to people? Um, and, you know, I, I know that I could do better in this area. And maybe you feel the same way. Uh, that being said, there are people like throughout my life that, you know, I'm really excited to see again in heaven. There are people that uh, I know I won't see again on earth. Um, but you know, I can't wait to, to go to heaven because I know that I'll see them. You know, I think of people that I met you know, on missions. Uh, when I went to Thailand, uh, there's this uh, one grandma. Um, I, I might have t- talked about her before. Her, we, I call her Yai Mali. Uh, Yai is grandma in Thai. And she's like the most beautiful like, soul I've met. She used to always cook me my, my favorite Thai dish. Um, and, and she spoke Thai, <laughs> no English. I spoke English and a tiny bit of Thai. Uh, but somehow, like, you know, we built this relationship. And actually, when Peter went to Thailand with his PG group, um, he met her and she kind of said hi to me through him. Um, but she's, she's passed now. Uh, she's, she's no longer living. And I haven't seen her since um, 2009. Um, but I'd often reach out to like a missionary who was in Thailand to see how she's going. But, you know, when I think about her, I get excited for heaven and to see her in heaven. And I think about all the kids at the orphanages that I've, I've seen in Thailand. And to be honest, I don't remember their names. <laughs> but when I see them in heaven, I, I I'll remember their faces. And hopefully they, we've got name tags in heaven because I'll be like, hey, you know, and I'll look at the name tag. But, you know, just, just, just to see, you know, those people that I've invested into. Uh, I think of like, you know, this homeless man I used to meet on a weekly basis uh, through this modern place ministry called Shum. And I'd meet with him. Um, he had bad eyesight, I remember. And so I went and I got him the largest print Bible I could find because he was saying I can't read the Bible because, you know, I, I, can't, I can't see I can't read properly. And I don't know what happened to the Bible. I don't know what happened to him. Um, but I think as we invest into those kinds of relationships, it makes us excited to hopefully see them in heaven. Um, and not just those people that we remember, but as we live a missional life, even those small conversations and seeds planted, uh, God will use. And we don't even know the way that God will work through us if we are living missionally, whether it's teaching uh, children's ministry uh, whether it's you know short conversations you have with people maybe for a day god is using all those things and i think as we live that kind of lifestyle we will become more excited for eternity and the things of heaven and so if you kind of put that together you know if if heaven is exciting missions exciting and if missions missions is exciting well heaven will be exciting and they kind of cycle and feed together uh, into one another now there's this one song that uh, uh Many years ago when I was serving at FG, um, I don't know if you know Pastor Anton. Uh, he was the pastor of uh, most recently um, um, one family, and now he's gone to Korea. Um, but his wife, um, she, would come over, she would go to different ministries and she'd do a mime, like a dance for this song. And I don't know if you've heard it before, but every time she'd do this mime dance, like, it, would, like, it would smash me, like, I'd, I'd like weep. Um, and I don't know why, but um, they're so powerful. Anyway, these are the lyrics to the song, and maybe it will encourage you. Um, but the song goes like this. It goes, I dreamed I went to heaven, 
and you were there with me. We walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. And, and, and let, let's not think about like theology and stuff here, but you know, we heard the angels singing. Then someone called your name. And we turned and saw a young man running and he was smiling as he came. And he said, friend, you may not know me now. Um, and then he said, but wait, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart. Then another man stood before you and said, remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave and that's why I'm here today. One by one they came, far as the eye could see, each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on this earth, in heaven now proclaimed. And I know up in heaven you're not supposed to cry, but I am almost sure there were tears in your eyes. As Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord, he said, my child, look around you, great is your reward. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad that you gave. You know, a couple of weeks ago, one of the growth group, um, groups asked me, you know, what rewards can we send to heaven? And I kind of jokingly, not jokingly said, you know, we can send souls. That's our reward. You know, it's interesting. This, this, this song actually says, you know, the reward that we'll, we'll get to see. Uh, one of the rewards is that, well, there are people here that God used me to kind of bring here. And um, I don't know. I, I think it'll be quite a, like a tremendous thing to step into heaven um, and to see the souls that we had touched, right, as we had lived faithful lives. Um, and so hopefully that encourages you to be more missional. Hopefully that encourages you to also be excited about heaven as well. I'm going to invite Mark, um, who is our mission ministry leader, to share a little bit about uh, the ministry. Um, and so, Mark, if you want to kind of jump in and you want to share a little bit. Hello, hi church. Um, okay, so um, I'll just share my introduction for the uh, mission ministry. Um, so our vision will be to see our church plant fulfill the Great Commission by living out the Great Commandment. Um, and the mission statement would be by cultivating a culture of evangelism, evangelism through teaching, going on short-term missions, and engaging with our community and neighbours. So in short, we'd love to see our church um, reach out, love our neighbours, and make disciples of all nations. So being local and global. The mission ministry at the moment consists of Justin Cho and myself, just us two, a bit lonely there. Um, and some main things we'll be working on short term um, will be to provide some tips or strategies um, on everyday evangelism. So it'll be, it'll be based on Sam Chan's book, Evangelism in a Skeptical World. Um, hopefully we'll be able to explore the question, how can I tell my friends about Jesus? And um, we're hoping to these simple strategies might empower us to tell our friends about Jesus. Um, Justin and I, we're excited to see our church cultivate a strong culture of evangelism. Um, and I'm excited for our church to tell people about Jesus. And as Sung Ho shared during his ministry introduction, um, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, so it takes the whole church to raise up disciples. Um, and for our prayer points, um, we would like to ask specifically uh, for God to be at the center of all that we do in this ministry, 
uh, and that we would be effective in helping our church to look outward and reach out. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for sharing. Um, and yes, um, you know, one of the things I think we, we didn't tend to focus as much on uh, through uh, our time at New Life was this area of being more missional and evangelistic. And um, I've kind of talked about it. We were kind of waiting to get a good foundation within us first before we looked out, et cetera. But, um, you know, as we are a church plant, this is one of the things we really want to uh, be more conscious about. And so it's sad, I think, in a way that um, the ministry only has two people, um, but they have two great people. And I trust that this ministry would grow. And regardless of how many people are in the ministry, hopefully the whole church you know, can get on board this idea of, of jumping on board missions. And so the two questions I want us to kind of chat about if you want, and you can talk about other stuff um, if you want, is this, um, does heaven excite you? Uh, what helps or hinders that excitement for heaven? Um, and so <clears throat> maybe it's like you do certain things and that reminds you of eternity, or maybe you know that there are certain things that distract you from it, et cetera. Um, and the second is, does missions excite you? Uh, how invested would you say you have been in being a witness to others? And this is just an honest moment for us to reflect and um, just be like, you know what, to be honest, I get caught up in the day-to-day and I don't really think about things of heaven or God or the gospel. Um, and oh, it might be like, you know, I, I, I think I'm doing better than I was last year, et cetera. Just for a time for us to share and be honest and be encouraged. Um, so they're the questions. Um, we're going to split off now into the breakout rooms, have a chat. Obviously, if you're in a home, just have a chat amongst yourselves. Um, if your home group is too big, maybe you can split up uh, in those groups as well. But um, yep. All right.